This is the Sanctuary LA podcast. We are a real church for real people in the heart of downtown Los Angeles. So you're in a fight, but you're not in a fight by yourself. And that's the thing about spiritual warfare that we don't understand is that it is a fight. It is a fight. It is not just your cute little, oh, a little, oh, water gun fight. No, this is like heavy artillery fight that you are in. Seriously. And the thing about it that you've got to catch, you've got to catch. And I want to encourage you this morning. I don't want to discourage you, but I'm going to say something that's probably going to discourage you a little bit, but this fight is going to go on for the rest of your life. For the, I, and let's just be real. For the rest of your life. Now, unless you say, like, Lord, I'd rather do it my own way, then that's great. You may get out of one fight, but now you got another fight on your hands. So you will be fighting for the rest of your life. For the rest of your life. But think about it. Think about it. Think about fight. Think about someone who's ever, you've ever seen getting jumped. And nowadays, when there's a fight, right, when you know it's going to be a good fight, when you know people are about to get down, they yell one thing. Does anybody know what that one thing is? World star. When you know it's about to be a good fight, hey, no, don't, don't. I, I was hoping somebody was going to yell at but that's how you know it's about to be a good fight. When somebody in the crowd yells, world star, you know you better duck and cover your head and get out of there because you're about to be on the internet, on everybody's page. Well, you entered into a world star kind of fight when you got saved. You entered into a fight that every single angel in heaven was like, world star, it's on. Every single, every single angel in heaven, every onlooker should be yelling, world star, because it's about to be a good fight. But the beauty of it is that where fights on the internet, you don't know how it's going to end. You think the skinny dude is about to get knocked out, and all of a sudden he ducks and throw a nice good punch and knock the big dude out. This fight... Right, Peshawn, 135 pounds of pure muscle is always the little guy. But now you know how this fight is going to end. You know how it's going to end. So the battle now that you're dealing with is not, oh, whether I'm going to win or not. The battle that you deal with now is staying in the fight. That's the battle that you have. The battle is never going to be the devil's got the upper hand and I'm losing. That's never the battle because the devil has already lost. He's already lost. The enemy is so stupid and so dumb that he thinks he's got a fighting chance still. He thinks he's going to... So he's throwing everything he's got at you, but it's bouncing off this invisible shield that is God because God has already won the battle for you. Your battle now, your challenge now is staying in the fight. That's your challenge. So the club that you're in, the purpose is to encourage one another. I not only want to be encouraged by you, but I want to encourage you as well to stay in the fight. And that's the purpose of having a team. That's the purpose of having a club. The purpose of a team is to rally around one another and say, look, we got this. We can do it. I just recently saw a fight live in person that was a roller coaster of emotion. And it's called Dodgers Astros Game 2. Lord, let me explain to you. I have never experienced that much emotion in my life. And I'm a diehard Laker fan, even in 2000 when the Lakers threw that lob to Shaq and he dunked it in, beat the Portland Trailblazers. Yeah, that was intense, but this was a fight. 
and every single person still is. And we got the upper hand last night. Every single person in that stadium was up and down, up and down. And it was kind of weird because when we were down, Astro fans went up. And it was like this the whole night. And finally, the fight came to the end, and we lost that part of the fight. But the battle is still on. And you're in this fight that you've already won. And there's confidence in it that you've already won. But there's still a bit of the battle that you have to fight and you've got to go through. Check this out. Here's what spiritual warfare, um, I'm going to give you the, uh, the scholarly definition of spiritual warfare. Okay, I'm going to give you this. So put on your spiritual theologian hat. I'm going to give you this definition. It means in biblical terms, spiritual warfare essentially encompasses, encompasses Satan's rebellion against God and the manifestations of that rebellion in the created order. So is Satan opposing God in the created order? You are that created order. And then it says, at the heart of this warfare, however, thank God there's always a however. However is the fact that God is sovereignly in control of his creation. And as the sovereign one, he has already decided that Satan's rebellion will fail. That is the theologian, spiritual, like, wow, definition. At the end of the day, the basic hood, everybody can understand definition is fight. It's a fight, knockout, drag out, teeth falling out, earrings coming off, Vaseline coming out, hair being tied up, shirt being taken off because you ain't trying to get nobody pulling their shirt over your head. That's the number one rule in fighting. Take the shirt off. Ladies, tie your hair. It's a fight. It's the basic definition of it. Spiritual warfare, you are in a fight. Yes. And you know what? It comes down to you understanding that at the end of the day, while you're in this fight, you've got to be confident in the fact that you have already won. If you don't have confidence in that, then you're going to live this life of, you're going to live as a Christian and you're going to live on the wrong side of it. Christ is not looking for you to live from this spot of like, I'm being defeated and I can't win. No, Christ is looking for you to be victorious in your living. Not fighting for victory, but fighting from victory. It's the whole purpose. Here's the thing about, um, here's the thing about spiritual warfare that I think, um, that I think we, we forget about is that it doesn't, it doesn't, it hasn't started with you. It's not you. It didn't start with you. It didn't start with Pastor Sean and just because you come to the church, now you're in the battle. No, it, everything, I love Ecclesiastes because it says, look, nothing new is under the sun. There's nothing new under the sun that hasn't been, that won't, will be. Everything is, is, is been here, done that all of it. So this all begins with Adam and Eve, right? Because spiritual warfare, spiritual, first word in it, it's all meant to us, all this battle right up here, right in here. Satan could not get Adam and Eve to eat the fruit physically. He couldn't, he couldn't force them to eat it physically. It wasn't like, grab that apple girl and eat it. No, it was more of a mind game that he played. That was the moment. That's it. That's the beginning of spiritual warfare. He coerced them both to eat the fruit, and it was all a mind game. God told you you couldn't? No, come on. Really? Go ahead. You got it? You got, he just doesn't want you to know all of that, but go for it. You got it? Doesn't that sound like someone who's just trying to be so slick? Like, go for it. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
It's kind of what kids do with their parents, right? They go to one and they say, hey, can I get some cookies? And the parent's like, no, you got dinner at six o'clock. No, you ain't eating no cookies. And then they go over to another parent and say, hey, can I get some cookies? What did your father say? Well, he, I mean, you know him, it, you know. And, and, and then it becomes this little game, and that's what the enemy plays. So from the beginning, it was a fight. From the beginning, that's where it all started. And that's what we have to understand. But at the end of the day, it's all up here. But here's four things that I think about when it comes to spiritual warfare. Four things that I think about. Things about spiritual warfare that I think about. Number one, we don't take the attack seriously. We don't. We don't take it seriously. I think sometimes we like to say, I'm, I'm in a spiritual warfare because it's, like it's like the Christian thing. I, this is just spiritual warfare, you know? I, yeah, I'm going through it, but it's just spiritual warfare, right? And it's like this cute little thing of like, yeah, you know, it's just warfare. It's just the, pray for me, brother. Pray for me, sister. I'm in a spiritual warfare. And it's like, you don't realize the implications of a spiritual warfare. You don't realize the fact that it ain't a cute little thing that you can just ask, just pray for me and not do any work. No, you're, you're in a fight. And if you're not careful, you're going to get yourself knocked out. You're going to get yourself knocked out. You'll win the fight, but you're going to get yourself knocked out. You'll beat the 10 count, but you're going to get yourself knocked out if you don't take it seriously. And the second thing I think about a spiritual warfare is I think, I think, number one, look, we're, we're in this fight and we, and we understand that we're, that we're dealing with it and becomes this little cute Christian saying, but we don't take it seriously. Uh, do we have the points up here? But we also, we are confused by the attack. We're confused by the attack. So number one, we underestimate the attack and we think it's this cute little, oh, this is going to, yeah, I'm just spiritual warfare. And then number two, we are confused by the attack. We're confused by it because we're not understanding it. We're confused and we don't know, okay, who's attacking us? When are they attacking? Why are they attacking? As Christians, we'll spend our lifetime in church hearing this term, but we won't seek it out to understand what it is. That's why I love that we're doing this series so that we understand and we get a handle on it as Christians, because otherwise you'll live your life as a Christian not understanding the physical and spiritual implications of a spiritual warfare. You'll spend your life fighting and wrestling and, and tussling and not understanding what's going on when now you now get this understanding that because you're a Christian you're gonna have a fight on your hands so we walk into it and we underestimate it number two we're confused by it number three we think we are alone in the attack we think we're alone and we think like ah oh, it's just me like here I am having a fight all of a sudden it was all good just a week ago and all of a sudden, I'm having to fight my husband. I'm having to fight my wife. I'm, I'm, my kids are acting up out of nowhere. Out of nowhere, everything is just not, everything is just falling out of place. I, I, everything used to be good. I used to feel like going to church. I used to have a desire. I used to want to get there before the sermon started. I used to want to get there for worship. But now all of a sudden, I just don't feel like it. I don't, I, I don't, I don't get it. What's going on? Is it just me? Is it like, what, what is going on? And so we think we're alone in it and we try to deal with it alone. But at the end of the day, you're not alone in your attack. You're not alone in this war. You've got people with you on the left and the right of you. You're not alone. Here's the thing about warfare. Here's the definition of warfare. It is a mass of persons, especially organized for war. Spiritual warfare, it is a mass of persons. You ain't the only one. 
And not only that, but you don't have to fight by yourself because in warfare, there are others. This definition implies that there are others with you in the battle. You're not alone. The fourth thing I think about is we're afraid of the attack. So after we've come to church and we've heard it, and we've heard people talk about it like there's such this thing of like, like oh my gosh, like, I, I haven't been under spiritual attack, but I hope I never go through it. I, like, oh my gosh, the way they're talking about it. And, and, and they, how do you not want to go to church? And this is the thought process of someone who just gets saved and they're on fire and they're like, spiritual warfare? What, why would I ever not want to come to church? Why would I ever not love God the same way I did now? I love Jesus. He's great. He's incredible. And then you start going through it and it's like, oh, this is what they were talking about. So before we get in it, we're afraid of the attack. And it's like we're praying it away. Like, oh, I hope that never happens to me, Lord. Lord, I, I, I hope this doesn't happen. And yet, at the end of the day, you have no choice. Another encouraging point. You have no choice. You're in this fight. You're in it. But at the end of the day, here's the encouraging part about it. Every war, every fight has rules of engagement. Every single fight, every battle. I'll give you, uh, like when you go to war, they teach you ROEs, there's rules of engagement, what to do, what not to do, how not to get your head blown off, how you will get your head blown off. They give you these ROEs. In a street fight, there's rules of engagement. Again, like I said before, tie your hair up, take your shirt off, get the Vaseline out so those punches slip right past your nose. There's rules of engagement. In this spiritual warfare, there are rules of engagement. And so this is what I want to encourage you with today, these rules of engagement. Now, there's tons of them, and there's so many different things that you can look to in the Word of God to say, man, that is what I need to hold fast to, and you're going to find your own rules of engagement. But this morning, I want to give you something that you can walk out of. Five points, very simple. They're fight club rules of engagement. And here's the first one. The first one is faithful over fearful. Faithful over fearful. You can't fight a battle if you're full of fear. You can't. You can't because your fear is the thing that's going to become the, block, the wall that hinders your progress. Fear is always the thing that acts as a barricade that prevents you from moving forward. Fear is always going to be the little voice inside you that says, you ain't got it. No. Do you see them? It ain't gonna work. Fear was the thing that kept me from going outside during lunch when I heard 20 people were, you ain't got it, don't even try. It's 20 to one. Fear, fear, especially in a spiritual warfare, if you're full of fear, there's no way that you're gonna get and engage in this battle the way that God has called you to. Because that's the thing about it is that standing in this battle, as we looked at our text, standing is not, I'm just waiting. I'm not engaged. I'm not active. No, when it talks about standing and standing firm, and after you have girded yourself up, you stand firm, it's talking about active engagement. There's active participation in the fight. But if I'm full of fear, then that hinders my active participation. I may be able to sit here and pray and say, God, please get this attack away from me. But at the end of the day, God is going to look down on you and say, I've done my part. Now, what are you going to give to this battle? What are you going to give to this fight? Because it's one thing to sit back and allow the enemy to advance. It's another thing to chase Goliath. It's another thing. And I love that. I love that about David because David chased Goliath. 
David wasn't hindered by his fear. David wasn't waiting. David pulled up to the battle lines and he said, what's going on here? They gave him the rundown and he chased Goliath. He went out to the field. He wasn't waiting for Goliath to advance any further. He went after him. And then when he got him down on the ground, he went after him even more, grabbed his own sword, chopped his head off, and he kept advancing. The war doesn't stop with the Goliath. It continues on and it shows that David kept advancing. His whole life he was advancing. He wasn't hindered by fear. Because if he had been, he would have been standing there with everybody else saying, who is this? Who is this? What are they doing? Rather than being about that action. Right? So I can't, I can't win a battle. I can't stay in. If I'm fearful, then every single time something happens to me in the battle, I'm going to want to disengage. I'm going to want to pull back. I'm going to want to say, you know what? I'm just going to ask someone to pray for me, and I'm going to sit here quietly and wait for it to end. No, you can't do that. You've got to be full of faith. You've got to be full of confidence in knowing that the battle, and it's not faith, and, and let's get this right, it's not faith in your ability. How dare you be confident in your own ability? Your own ability is only going to get you so far. It's not faith in what you can do. It's faith in what he's already done. That's where the faithful comes in. It's faith in the fact that, man, I don't have to worry. I don't have to worry about the attack. I don't have to worry about how big and how bold the devil is. I don't care that he's roaring like a lion seeking whom he can devour. I don't have to worry about that because I'm full of faith and I know what God has already done for me. It'll never be about your ability. You ain't that good. You ain't that big. You ain't that bad. The biggest person in the world, that spiritual warfare will break you down to your knees if you try to lean on your own understanding and your own ability. But the moment you say, man, I'm going to step out and be full of faith, that's when you get up and you move and you advance and you take over. But it only comes when you're faithful, when you're full of faith. Look at this uh, text here in, in Psalms chapter 3, verse 1 through 6. Man, I love this scripture. There's a lot of scriptures that I love this morning that I'm going to tell you. Um, but I love this one. It says, look, oh, Lord, I have so many enemies. And this is David talking. I have so many enemies. So many are against me. So many are saying God will never rescue him. But you, oh, Lord, are a shield around me. You are my glory, the one who holds my head high. I cried out to the Lord, and he answered me from his holy mountain. So here he's talking about, look, you, he'll never rescue you. And that's what fear does. It paralyzes you. He'll, he'll never do this. This will never happen. This won't work. It attempts to paralyze you. But at the end of the day, when you're faithful, here's your response. It says, I lay down and slept, yet I woke up in safety. Can you imagine being in the middle of a fight and laying down to sleep in the middle of a battle? You talk about having faith and confidence that you've got armies coming after you and you can lay down and sleep peacefully? This is what it means to be full of faith. David continues, says, I am not afraid of 10,000 enemies who surround me on every side. Not only is it 10,000 of them, but they got me blocked in and cornered. Here I am afraid of 20, and David's like, 10,000? I will not be afraid. This is what it means to be faithful. So in this spiritual warfare, in this battle that we will always deal with, 
We have to remind ourselves to be full of faith, not full of fear. Fear will never advance. Fear doesn't get you anywhere. Fear only hinders you. But faith, faith says, let's walk even though I can't see the road. Faith says, let's go down even though I can't see the staircase. Faith says, let's move. Faith is an action word. Fear is not. Fear paralyzes. So be faithful over fearful. The next rule for engagement is inquire within. Inquire within. And here's why I say that. Um, Let's look at this text here in uh, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 12 through 17. Inquire within. It says, because of Christ and our faith in him, faith over fear, we can now come boldly and confidently in God's presence. So please don't lose heart because of my trials here or your trials. This is Paul talking. I am suffering for you, so you should feel honored. When I think of all this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and earth. I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. While you're in this battle, the spiritual warfare, inquire within because the spirit of God is on the inside of you. We looked in our text earlier and it says, look, our weapons are not physical. Our our weapons are not earthly. So if they're not earthly, then where do I get my weapons to fight? Where else do I go if I don't, if I can't pick up a gun and a knife and stab the devil, where else do I go? I've got to inquire within. When you you walk by a store that has a now hiring message, in the fine print it says, inquire within, which means get information, get instruction, get details, get your marching orders from inside. How do I fill out the application? Where do I submit it? Who do I give it to? You don't find that information just by looking on the sign. You have to inquire within. So while you're in a battle and you've got all these questions, why am I being attacked? Who's attacking me? How should I proceed? Where should I go from here? What should I do next? Inquire within because the Spirit of God is on the inside of you. And if you inquire within and you get this strength and you get this, this, this empowerment from the Holy Ghost, then the battle that you're facing will become easier to overcome. Especially the battle that says give up. The battle that says you can't do it. You can't make it. Give up. If you keep all of that here, out here, rather than inquiring within, then what you're looking at is you're looking at what only your eyes can see. And your eyes will tell you, you're not big enough for this battle. You don't have the monetary means to deal with this. You you can't tithe. We mean tithe. You can't even pay your bills on time. And you want to tithe? That's, That's part of a battle. That's part of this battle. Let me, let me explain it this way. Warfare comes down to you getting the, have, warfare comes down to the enemy trying to get you to do the opposite of what God says. So if the word of God says, man, you need a tithe, you need a tithe, be fruitful, be multiplied, you need a tithe. And your, and, and your physical, and your, in your mind, you're saying, look, I, I don't have the money. I don't, that's all a part of the battle. But if you inquire within and God is giving you the strength, as Paul is telling us, look, he's already on the inside of you. He's already empowering you. He's already giving you what you need. All you have to do is access what's already on the inside of you by looking within rather than looking outside. 
Rather than going to someone who's never been in a battle, rather than going to your coworker, rather than going to your boss and saying, how do I deal with this? The first place you got to go to is God and say, what, what is this? What am I dealing with? Because there's going to be moments that some people, believe it or not, are going to look at you and be like, oh, you're just exaggerated. You're just dramatic. You ain't the only, like, hey, come on. But when you inquire within and you say, God, I need your help because I'm dealing with something and it's real and I feel it and I can't shake it. When you inquire within, you're going to get that strength that you've already got on the inside of you. The whole purpose of looking, it's the whole purpose of this point is really to go deeper and say, man, what, what do I need to do? Now that I know that I'm being opposed, now that I know that there's an enemy who's fighting and advancing, what do I need to do now? It's all about inquiring within. I love this, uh, this acronym of FIGHT. It says, forcing inside garbage to honor truth. It also says, forcing inside guts to honor tenacity. So it's the thing in you that also is becoming fearful, and this thing in you that says, you can't do it. You can't make it work. You're also looking inside to Christ to say, you got it. You got it. Keep moving. Keep pushing. Keep advancing. It's taking all that garbage, everything that says you can't, everything that says you won't be able to make it, everything that says, that little voice that operates out of fear, it's taking all of that and saying, no, you got it. You can do it. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about the battle. You got it. Don't look to the left. Don't look to the right. Look straight ahead. Look to the hills. That's where your help is coming from. There's moments in life when I can sit and I'm literally like, oh, this is like so difficult, and this is so challenging, and this is so hard, and I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this. And the moment I stop, and I breathe, and I think about God, and I think about what he's already done thus far, it helps me get past the next battle. Because here's the thing that I don't think we understand when we get in a battle, is that this hasn't been your first battle, Right? You, this is not your first instance of being opposed in your first battle, spiritually or physically. This ain't your first battle. You've been here before. You've been in a fight before. And the thing that we don't understand is that you've already won 100% of the time. And it's not based on your own ability. It's based on Christ within you. Because it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives within me. So the battle that you're fighting, you, you've got Christ with you. Inquire within. The next point is, and actually before I say that, um, it's, almost like, it's almost like doing a gut check. It's almost like doing this gut check. It's almost like saying, okay, let's, let's, let's get this thing going. Let's, what, what do I have to muster up? What do I have on the inside of me? It's one of those things like if you ever lifted weights or if you've ever gotten to this position where you're like, hey, I'm going to work out. Maybe January 1st was that, that everybody was like, yeah, I'm going to work out. And then January 2nd, you were like, the devil is a lie. And the Lord wants me to multiply. So I'm going to multiply my weight as I sit here. Right? Maybe, but but the, thing about, the thing about that is that when you, when the thing that tells you that you can't do it, all it is, it's all mental. It's all mental. Physically, you can push beyond your limits more than you think. You can push and you can make it. And we're talking about muscular uh, uh, efficiency. You can make it and you can move and you can do more than you think. It's all a mental game. So spiritual warfare is the same way. It's all mental. The moment you think you can't, actually you can 
you just need to muster it up. You need to do a gut check. You need to do a gut check, inquire within and say, man, how can I, how can I overcome this? How can I get over this battle? Uh, the, next, uh, the next encouraging thing, um, the next rule of engagement is get comfortable with discomfort. Get comfortable with discomfort. Fighting, warfare, it's not meant to make you comfort, comfortable. It's not meant to be a pillow and a, a soft duvet, a down feather duvet insert that keeps you nice and, and warm when it's cold and, and hot when it's cold. It's not, spiritual warfare is not that for you. It's not a tempur mattress that adjusts to your liking and, and your spouse can adjust their side and you can adjust, and we can just sleep in harmony and everything's okay. And if he's snoring, I can just pull his side up and sit him upright like it's an infomercial. Spiritual warfare ain't that way. And so the decision that you got to make right now is that I'm going to be comfortable in this discomfort. Here's, anytime I bring this point out, I always go back to the cross because I think if there's anybody that shows us how to be comfortable in discomfort, it's Christ. Because here he is on the, cro- on the cross with thorns in his head, being yelled at, insults, beard already been pulled out, nails in his hands and his feet. And yet somehow he finds a way to do what he was supposed to do here on earth, and that's forgive the sins of the world. And so on the cross, he's telling this sinner, don't worry, you'll be in paradise with me. Really, Jesus, on the cross? With nails in your hand, you're talking about paradise? He found some comfort in his discomfort. And the comfort was that another life saved right here. I forgive you, another life saved. You've got to find that comfort within your discomfort. You've got to find that area where you say, you know what? This thing will not end in death, but it will be to glorify God. This thing will not get the best of me, but it will only develop me. It will only make me better. It will only make me stronger. It will only make me faster. It'll only make me better. So the next time the enemy comes against me, now I'm bigger. Now I'm better. Now I'm stronger. Now I'm better, and I can overcome you anytime I want. That's finding comfort in your discomfort. That's finding the silver lining. That's finding that, yes, though he slay me, yet will I trust. Though, though he comes against me, though I am, though I am down on my luck, though I am, I am out of it, though I am, I am debilitated, yet will I trust in him. Yet will I still worship. Yet will I still lift my hands up. Yet will I still do what you've called me to do. I'm finding some comfort in my discomfort because that discomfort is what's going to make you comfortable in the end. If you don't go through the discomfort now, you're going to be uncomfortable because you gave up in the battle. You think the battle, you think the battle is to beat you down. You think the battle is to make you less than what you are. You think the teacher is trying to give you a lesson that's going to fail you when yet the teacher is giving you a lesson to see if you're adequately fit to go to the next battle. That's the comfort that you find in your discomfort. But it's all about you finding that. It's all about you saying, what is it in this that I need to learn? What is it in this battle that I've got to make sure I walk away with? There's value in your discomfort. There's value in what you're doing. There's value in the test that God is putting you through. There's value in that. So you've got got to find some comfort in your discomfort. Here's a text that I love, um, and this is one that everybody is familiar with, and you probably will say this um, a million times in your lifetime. 
uh, but you'll never continue on with the text, or you'll never get the real implications of the text, and it's Isaiah 54, verse 17. Isaiah 54, verse 17, it says, No weapon formed against you shall prosper, and every tongue which rises against you in judgment shall be condemned. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. Yet another encouraging point. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. But here's what we don't really get from this text, Isaiah 54, verse 17. What we don't really understand, and this comes back to why are we in a battle? I'm a Christian. I'm a saved now. I'm saved now. Why am I in this battle? Why, why, am I, why is the enemy coming against me? Why? Why? And we whine and we complain, Lord, why? But you said do this and I did that and yet I'm still struggling. You said tithe and to give and I gave faithfully for two weeks and I'm still struggling. Isaiah 54, 17, no weapon, see if you catch it, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. The text does not imply that the weapon won't be formed in the first place. It just says it won't work. The text does not say nobody will ever come against you. Nobody will ever talk about you. Nobody will ever come against you with their words. The enemy will never oppose you. The text does not say that. The text says, yeah, it will be formed. It just won't work. The tongue will rise against you. It just won't. You'll condemn it. So in all of that, it's, it's the fact that, man, I got to find some comfort in the fact that though the weapon will be formed, it will not prosper. And that's where we find the comfort in discomfort. The next point is this. Uh, hang in there. Hold all the aces. Hang in there. And remember, you hold all the aces. Hang in there. Hang in there. This battle that you're fighting is tough. It's going to get the best of you. It, it, it will. There's going to be moments that you're going to want to break down and cry and let go in a spiritual warfare. But hang in there. You hold all the aces. It's just like playing a video game and having the cheat codes. It's just like watching a game on TV that has, that it's like watching a replay of a game, but you already know your team won. Hang in there. You, you sitting here getting nervous over a replay of the game when you already know the results of the game. Hang in there. You hold all the aces. You know what's coming next. You know what's going to happen. How do you know that? Because you've got your sword right here with you. This word tells you everything you need to, everything you need to know about a battle. This sword tells you everything you need to know about what's coming next. There is nothing new in this word that you won't come against. Everything in this word, God provided, and it's, it's, it's available for you to use in this battle. This is your holding, this is you holding all the aces right here. James chapter 1, verse 12 through 18, it says, Anyone who meets a testing challenge head on and manages to stick it out is mighty fortunate. For such persons loyally in love with God, the reward is life and more life. Don't let anyone under pressure to give in to evil say, God is trying to trip me up. God is impervious to evil and puts evil in no one's way. The temptation to give in to evil comes from us and only us. This is the battle right here. The battle is not to win the war. The battle is to stay in the fight. Hang in there. The last point is this. 
Two are better than one, but three can't be beat. Two are better than one, but three can't be beat. And this is my last point here. And this, again, I go back to the cross. I, I think you have to because the cross shows us the way to live in a sense. Here you have him stretched out horizontally, which implies this horizontal connection, which implies that I'm doing this for you. This, I'm doing this for you. And then this vertical being obedient to Christ. So while I, if I'm in a fight and I have my choice between two, people and three people, give me the two. If, if, I mean, give me, if I have my choice between one or two, give me the two, I'll take it. But if you give me a choice between two and three, I'm always going to take the three. Because what it says is I've got you on my left, I've got you on my right, but at the end of the day, it's me and Christ in this battle as well. So not only do I have you left and right, but I've got Christ. And that's the thing that we've got to hold fast to. It's like, yeah, your neighbor to the left and right of you that's in this fight club is great. They're going to be a great resource for you. But at the end of the day, two is better than one, but three can't be beat. Don't you dare try to fight this battle without accessing what God has made available to you and not speaking directly to him. If you want to know what your weapons are in the spiritual warfare, very simple, two weapons. Number one is faith. Number two is prayer. Two weapons. That's all you need. Faith and prayer. Faith to believe that the battle's already won. And prayer to access God and say, look, Lord, I'm in this fight. I'm in this battle. What do I do next? That's your cheat code. And he's available to you anytime you need him. Hang in there. You hold all the aces, and you've got God on your side. Not only do you have the person, look at the person to the left and the right of you. Look at them. You may know nothing about their battle. You may know nothing about it. But you're in a battle. They're in a battle. So if there's any commonality that you have, there it is. You're fighting, I'm fighting. When you come to the the point in your battle where you feel like you got it all together, then you fight for me. And when I come to the point in my battle where I feel like, man, I got it all together, I'm fighting for you. What does this look like? This looks like the family member who was in church, but they left. This looks like the mother who used to pray, but now she just has been beaten down so far that she can't even pray anymore. In this club, I get to fight with you. I get to help you. But you're not following me just to follow me. You're following me as I follow Christ, is what Paul said. And that's what it comes down to. It comes down to you having a club of people with you to deal with this battle. Every head bowed and every eye closed in this place. Thank you for listening to the Sanctuary LA podcast. Tune in again next week and stay awesome and be blessed.